Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Lavernia Sermon Podcast. If you have any questions about what you hear, or if you would like to speak with one of our pastors, you can find all of our contact information at www.fbclv.com. We had an incredible time this last week at the Vacation Bible School. We had lots and lots of kiddos here, praise the Lord. As Pastor Devin said, you're welcome to hang out uh, the first part of our second service. They'll sing through a lot of the songs that they learned this week. There'll be lots of smiles. There'll be other kids who may be crying or frowning. You can't never tell what kids are gonna do, but it'll be fun, it'll be exciting. Vacation Bible School is always a reminder to us that it is designed for kids, but it's not just for kids, it's for the whole church. And it got me thinking that there's other things in life that may be made or designed for kids, but adults love them just the same. For example, when you walk past one of these machines here, this may be designed for children, but I know many an adult that have wasted thousands of quarters on these machines because they are positive they can get that yellow duck out of there. I just need five more dollars, I'm almost got it. Something else designed for kiddos that adults absolutely love is, oh, the kids' cereals. Now you can say, no, 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 that's not me. I'm a grape nuts or a cornflakes kind of person. But let's be honest with each other. If your choice is cornflakes or Lucky Charms or Cinnamon Toast Crunch, who's gonna pick the cornflakes? Kids' cereal may have colorful boxes and puzzles on the back, but they taste incredible. Something else that kids love, this may not be designed for them, but when you think about the bubble wrap, kids love the bubble wrap. But there's very few adults that I know that also don't love the bubble wrap. I want to pop all of those. This is exciting. How about this here? Whether you're young or you're a little bit older, everybody loves a good cartoon. We're a kid growing up, Saturday morning cartoons. They don't make many things more relaxing and fun than watching some Scooby-Doo's or some Fred Flintstones. One last thing here. Maybe it's for kids, but adults love it. Smoke cones. So we had snow cones the last night of EBS, and everybody thought, man, the kids are gonna love these snow cones. You should have seen the adults. I want a snow cone, I love snow cones, because it brings something joyful and back to you. And so we remind ourselves, many things are designed for kids, but adults love them too. This week, we finish up our Vacation Bible School 2023 by looking at our theme verse for the week. And we're gonna learn once again, this verse and these lessons are not just for kids, this is for everyone. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 25. We're gonna look at just verse four today. Psalm 25, verse four. Three prayers that we can make, three requests from the Lord from this one simple verse. If you're a note taker, here's our first point. Lord, make me. A few weeks ago, I had to make a phone call to a very large establishment. I called the 1-800 number and picks up an automated thing, says, hello, we're so glad that you called today. Your call is very important to us, but all of our operators are currently busy. Please stay on the line. The current wait time is one hour and 45 minutes. I thought, nah, that can't be right. So I hung up around, I called back again. Hello, we are so glad that you called. You are very important to us. All of our operators are busy. Current wait time is one hour and 50 minutes. 
Oh, good. So I just put it on speakerphone, right? Put it on my desk. I thought, that's okay. Maybe it's a, it's a tool or a trick to weed out the people who really need to be calling. And after 10 minutes, somebody will pick up. And so it says, your call is very important to us. Your current wait time is now one hour and 47 minutes. And then it just goes silent. It's still on there. Like I can see the numbers counting, but they don't play any waiting room music. So it's kind of bizarre. About five minutes later, thank you for being patient. Your time is so important to us. Your wait time is now one hour and 40 minutes. And it continued this pattern down to an hour and a half, hour and 20, hour and 10, one hour, two hours and four minutes later. Somebody picks up the phone. You'd have thought I won the lottery. Are you a real person? woo Hello, sir. Thank you for your patience. Your call is important to us. How may I help you? Told them what I needed. He said, I'm sorry. I can't help you with that. Please call back next week. Bloop. He done did hung up on me. I'm a very patient person. I stay really calm most of the time. But in this moment, I thought I was gonna lose my mind. Two hours and four minutes I waited on the phone and he just told me that he can't help me. So I will never, ever, ever voluntarily call this place again. Not after two hours of waiting on the phone. You would have to make me call them because I don't want no part of that ever again. When we say we make someone do something, there's usually a connection or a combination of force versus I don't want to. That's what it means to make. So if somebody says, hey, get on out of my way, and you say, why don't you come over here and make me? Force with I don't want to. Kids may say, my parents make me eat my vegetables. They make me clean my room. They make me be nice to my brother or my sister. Husbands may say to their friends, I got some really bad news tomorrow. My wife's going shopping. You say, why is that so bad? Because she's going to spend money? No, because she might make me go with her, and I don't want to go with her. My boss makes me go to work. The light bill, my light company makes me pay my light bill. These kids who are at home for summer make me feed them three times a day. They're always hungry. Make is usually a force with the I don't really want to, and this is the first word we see make. And so I don't really see our prayers going up to Jesus as something that we often ask him to make us do something, but maybe we should. Psalm 25, will begin verse 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, which simply means I put my faith and my trust in you alone. Oh, my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Lord, I'm trusting in you, and I'm believing in you, and my enemies are all around me, a common theme all throughout the Psalms. He's on the mountains, and he's in the valleys. He's surrounded. He's praying for God's protection and God's deliverance. He says, these enemies are crying out to false idols. That's not me. I'm crying out to you, my God, my Jehovah, my provider, I believe in you, verse four, make me to know your ways, O Lord. So that word make there is not forceful, it's to reveal, to realize, to become known, your ways. And what he's saying is, Lord, I wanna be more like you, not in the such that I want to be all-knowing 
or I wanna be all powerful, or I wanna be the creator, but instead I wanna live my life in a way that is pleasing to you, and I wanna live my life in such a way that you're proud of me. I wanna live my life in such a way that you have called me to, and so we have this very simple request with very intentional words. He starts with me, and I think it's so easy for us in our Christian journey to get so distracted and to start thinking and praying and looking at other people, and that's always a good thing to be concerned and to pray about and to disciple and to mentor spouses and kids and friends and neighbors, but at the end of the day, hear this clearly, you have influence over others, but when you stand before God, those people are not gonna be there. It's gonna be you and the great judge. And so this is where it begins. Lord, I'm starting right here just with me. Not just a, I don't wanna look at the splinter in my brother's eye while I have a plank in my own, but it's saying, God, this is where it all begins with my relationship with you. So make me, Lord, help me to, no, I don't want to just want to hear these things to go one in out the other. I don't want to just casually glance at it or think about what you want me to do sometimes. I want to know it. I want to know that I know that I know that I know that what I'm doing is right, that what I'm doing is what you would have me to do, that what I'm doing is not out of my own selfish ambition. I want to know your I don't want to know what the tic-tac wants me to do. I don't want to know what my friends want me to do. I don't want to know what society says I should do. I want to know what you want me to do regardless of what anybody else says. I want to know your ways. I want to know your road, your journey, your path. Oh, Lord, a prayer and a word of submission. He starts all this with make me. And I love the idea of this being a simple request, saying, Lord, make this to me known. Make this to me evident. And sometimes I wonder and I think, if would we not be better off if in our own stupidness and selfishness and sinfulness, if we didn't pray a prayer like that, saying, God, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, I'm not so sharp. And Lord, whichever direction or path that I'm going, if I'm wrong, here's my sincere heart's desire. Would you just make me do the right thing? Because I think that'd be easier for all of us because I'm gonna mess up. So if you just make me do what's right, it will save us all a lot of time and a lot of trouble. And yet God in his grace and his love, he gives us this free will. And so I don't see this as a prayer of saying, God, I want you to force my obedience because that's not the way that it works God is honored with our intentional obedience. But I do think it's fair for like the psalmist us to pray, Lord, make it known to me that there's only one path for me to go. And Lord, make it known to me that the peace I experience when I follow you is greater than everything else. And Lord, make it evident to me that I will never, ever, ever question that when I do what you want me to do, it's always the best plan of my life. So Lord, help me to get down that road even if I'm kicking and screaming. Lord, make it known to me. Second prayer. Lord, teach me. I love instructional videos so I love Mr. Google, I love the YouTube. If there's something I don't know how to do, somebody else has probably struggled with that and they will show you exactly what you need to do. It makes you feel competent and it usually saves you some money. I came across this video a few weeks ago and so instructional videos may show you what to do or they may also show you what 
not to do. And so this young lady did not get the don't do this at work. Watch this. See, she's making an ice cream cone. Oh, you need to watch it again just in case you missed it. One more time, here it goes. Making, oh, I'm a Dairy Queen. I'm making you a blizzard. You're gonna love this. Pow! I don't have hair, and that hurts my scalp. So I'm sure somebody told her, here's the way that you make the ice cream cone. Here's the way that you mix it around. And may or or maybe not, did they tell her, make sure you don't have your long hair because if you turn around, pow, it will bring your head back into that machine. It will hurt really, really bad. Videos and instructions say, this is what you should do. This is what you should not do. What does David want the Lord to reveal, to show, to make known to him? Verse four. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Teach, instruct. Help me become skillful and learned on which road to take and what behavior I should be exhibiting in my life. Each night at Bible school, we had a Bible story time. And so Bible school is a wonderful evening if you've never been before. It's a lot of fun from little kids up to fifth grade And they go through rotations. They'll have music, time to learn songs. They'll have a Bible lesson, arts and crafts. They'll go outside, they'll play, they'll have a snack, all these fun things. In the Bible story time, we walk through different encounters that Peter had with Jesus, learning a new attribute about Jesus and how that was demonstrated in his time with Peter. So night number one, we wanted the kids to know Jesus is holy, the Bible story that night was, Jesus, was Peter when he's in the boat and Jesus calls from the bank and says, hey, you guys caught any fish? No, we ain't caught nothing. We've been fishing forever. It is hot and we are tired. We are going home. And Jesus says, well, throw the net on the other side of the boat. And they're like, listen, we are professional fishermen. We know where the fish are and where they are not. If we hadn't caught no fish by now, we're not gonna catch any fish. Just throw it on the other side, and they throw it on the other side, and they catch 153 fish, more than their nets could even bring up. And so we saw in that moment Jesus is holy and that he is set apart, that he is the master of the sea. He knows where the fish are and where the fish are not. He can do anything. Jesus is holy. Night number two, we saw that Jesus is trustworthy. So the story was that where the disciples and Peter are in the boat and Jesus comes walking to them on the waves and they get afraid, they get scared. And he says, hey, come on out. And Peter takes that step out of the boat, but then he sees the winds and the waves and he gets scared and he begins to sink. So we learn that Jesus is trustworthy because even in the winds, even in the waves, even when things that all things are lost, we can still trust Jesus because he walks on the waters. He controls all things. Night number three, we saw that Jesus is forgiving. And we looked at when Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times. And Peter says, even if I have to die, I would never do that. And then after Jesus is arrested one, two, three times before the rooster crows, Peter denies him. And then yet after the resurrection, Jesus sits down with Peter and he tells him that to feed his sheep and he forgives him and he gives them another task and another chance. Night number four, we saw Peter and John in the temple, and as they're walking through, there's a man lying on the ground begging, says, hey, can you give me some silver or gold? And Peter says, I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus. 
get up and walk. And the man was healed in that moment. And then the crowd gathers around. The crowd goes, hey, we know this guy. He can't walk, and now he can. What happened? And Peter began to preach to the people and tell them about Jesus, how he lived a perfect life, how he died a criminal's death, how he rose again, and by his power, this man was healed. So they needed to repent. And then the religious leaders heard what was happening. They had them arrested, and then they brought them before him and says, don't talk about Jesus anymore. And yet in their boldness, they say, how can we not talk about the one who heals the lame? How can we not talk about the one who walks on water? How can we not talk about the one who saves our soul? In each of these lessons, Peter learns something new about his faith in Jesus, and we learn something about our faith walk, such as sometimes God calls us to do things that we may not want to do. I don't think they wanted to throw those nets on the other side of the boat. They wanted to go in. They were done for the night. They was tired, and yet they did it, and God did a miracle. Sometimes the path that God has for us requires us to walk through a storm, to step out of the boat, and to trust him even when it's really hard. Other times, God calls us down a path, and we fail, and we mess up. Maybe that's where you're at in your life today going, I have really messed this up. And what you need to hear today is that he is faithful and just to forgive you, give you a new beginning and another chance. God still wants to use you. Other times the path may involve God using us to do a miracle, to preach to a crowd, to tell them what he has done, he is doing, to stand up to those who tell us, don't talk about Jesus anymore for us to respond with, how can I not tell about the one who has saved me? This is not just a prayer or a Bible verse for kids. This is for us all. Lord, make it known to me your ways. Teach me your paths. And every step of the way, number three, Lord, lead me. Psalms 25, verse four. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day long. Lead means to cause, walk, press, guide me. Lead me in your truth. Even when I live in a world that says there is no such thing as right and wrong. Even when I live in a world where morality has been forsaken. Lead me in your truth. When in households, husbands are not loving their wives as Christ loved the church and wives are not submitting to their husbands as to the Lord. Lead me in your truth when sin is celebrated. Lead me in your truth when my fear is greater than my faith. Lead me in your truth when the mountain is too high and the valley is too low, when the twists and the turns have me all twisted up and turned around. Lord, lead me, and then I will follow you. I will obey you. I will listen to you. I will not deny you. I will trust you because you're the God of my salvation. You have always been there and continue to be. You are my ever-present help in times of trouble, my hope for the future, my Savior, my God. You are holy, trustworthy, forgiving. You are worth following, and so I will wait for you all the day long. We like the way that sounds, and we say, that's what I'm talking about. 
That's what I'm gonna do. I am gonna wait for the Lord all the day long and I'm starting right now. So you pick up your stuff and you go home and you go into the quietest room of your house and you shut the door and you go, here I am, Lord, and I am waiting for you all the day long and I am not gonna leave until I feel like you have led me, you have shown me, you have made known to me and you have taught me. I'm sitting right here and I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here, Lord, and I'm still waiting. Okay, I guess today is not the day. I'll be back tomorrow. Isn't that the picture of how so often we are? I will wait for the Lord all day long as long as he reveals something to me in the next 31 seconds because that's all the time that I have right now. As part of one of the lessons one night, when we were teaching the kids about the stories of Peter and the temple and these different scenes when the man was healed and then when the crowd formed and then later when the Sadducees, the Pharisees had Peter and John arrested, we gave each of the kids a flashlight. And so I want you to imagine this scene. We're in a very small room. The lights are turned off, but it's, it's kind of dark, but not so dark. You give 30 or 40 kindergartners, 30 or 40 first graders, 30, 40 second graders a flashlight, and then I tell them, don't turn them on. This could have been the most foolish decision I've ever made in my life. So I mean, as soon as you hand one, they're going, I got a flashlight. And I may or may not have raised my voice going, please do not turn on the flashlights. I promise you'll get to use them, but not yet. And they're going, Putting that many kids in a semi-dark room and giving them a flashlight and saying, don't turn them on, was not a good decision. And here's the truth, even in this room, if we would have given you all a flashlight and said, don't turn it on till you're told to, some of you have been going, he can't see me, he can't see me, but I'm still doing it. It's uncontrolled when you go, I just don't know how to have that kind of patience. And I don't know how to be hand a flashlight without turning it on. I don't know how to sit and be still before God. How do I get better at that? The same way you get better at everything else in the world. Chad, if I want to get better at playing the guitar, what do I got to do? You got to practice. If I want to get better at praying, what do I need to do? Practice. If I want to get better at serving, what do you got to do? Practice. If you want to get better at cooking, what do you got to do? Practice. If you want to get better at giving, what do you got to do? Practice. If you want to get better at sitting still before the Lord, you got to practice. And yet so often, we have the attention span of a kindergartner in a dark room saying not to be told with a flashlight, and then we don't feel good about that. We say, I wish I could just sit and be still. But then we have no action plan to do anything about it. You have to practice until you get to the place where it's nice just to wait upon the Lord. Recently, our students went to camp, and one of the meeting mornings, a counselor was sharing with all the leaders that on the last night of camp, they have a block party, and it's a lot of fun loud music, rock wall, mechanical bull, um, carnival games. It's a great way to end the camp. And the snack of choice on this evening is they have corn on the cob. 
And that seems like such a strange thing to feed teenagers at 10, 15 at night, but they love it. They think it's fantastic. So they feed them corn on the cob at 10, 15 at night. And this leader was telling us that the year before, he had one of his students ask, what's the record for the most pieces of corn eaten at camp? And he says, I wasn't really paying attention because it's not a competition. We just have corn for a snack. So because I said like, oh yeah, it's 22. And then I went on about my business. He said, later that evening, this was the year before, he said, my student came up to me, sweaty, buttery, corn all over his face, belly poked out, going, I did it. You did what? I beat the record. What record? He hadn't even remembered what it was. He goes, you're the corn record. You said it was 22. And he goes, I made that up. He goes, I ate 23. (laughs) Okay, these aren't niblets, right? Ears of corn, 23. We shared that story with our students, thinking that would be funny. And some of our, no, not some of our, one of our students took that as a personal challenge, going, oh, I can beat that record. No, 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 you don't, you don't, oh, I can do it. So I don't have a picture of this particular student eating said corn, but here's a picture of a student eating corn. And so I just want you to imagine the scene, right? It's 10.15, but it's still 107 degrees outside. Sweaty, buttery, corn pieces all over them. And he comes and goes, I did it. You did what? I beat last year's record. Are you being for real? Oh, yeah. How many did you eat? This one particular young man did not beat the record by one ear of corn. He beat it by 15. He ate 38 pieces of corn. I don't know how that's possible, nor do I know why he wanted to do that, but it was the crowning glory of his life. (laughs) I'm the corn king. And so here's what we need you to know as a church and as parents. We did not make him eat that corn. (laughs) We did not teach him to eat that corn, and we did not lead him to eat 38 pieces of corn. And yet these are the three key words that David says unto the Lord in Psalms 25. Make me to know your ways. What are the ways of God that you need him to make known in your life? Teach me your paths so that I can live a life of faith and obedience. We want the kids to know Jesus is holy, trustworthy, forgiving, and worth following. We want you to know that Jesus is holy. He is trustworthy. He is forgiving. He is worth following. Lord, lead me in your truth, and I will follow you. Have you been spending time practicing what it looks like to talk with the Lord? Have you been spending time just being still and reading his word? Have you been waiting on the Lord all the day long? You can't get better at it unless you practice. Can you honestly say, Jesus, even in all the twists and all the turns, I will follow you?